Welcome to Forging Plowshares, a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom of God. We hope this part of our ongoing conversation stimulates your mind and challenges your heart about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Please stay tuned at the end of the podcast for a short message about our ministry. Can I ask you guys, I'm about to say something, and Matt, I want you to come back and tell me why this cannot possibly be right. Okay? I'm going to say it, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong in what I'm saying. And that is that Hart, in presenting this thing, I'm never quite sure where he's at in this. He presents the early church. He presents the rejection of wealth. He presents this kind of reality in which they're communalists. They're rejecting private ownership. You know, you might argue with him, but anyway, this is his, you know, the picture of a not lording it over. Sometimes I'm wondering, is he presenting this because he too thinks this is just an impossibility and that this is such a radical thing that all of us present day Americans living in the 21st century, obviously we can't do these things. And so he's presenting this revolutionary gospel and yet is not advocating, or maybe he is, but uh, that was my, my question. He doesn't seem to be advocating that we put into place an alternative economy, an alternative understanding of private property, an alternative understanding of hierarchy. He presents the contrast of then and now. There is a kind of acceptance of that as a reality that we just kind of have to live with. That was my accusation that Well, I think that if you see that contrast and you really believe it, that part of the thing that it should give rise to or the impetus that should be behind it is, wow, we have missed out and we do need to go back, not a restorationism in the letter, but in the spirit. In other words, we're describing Jesus. Jesus is the one crucified outside the city. Jesus is the one who bore the cross. We're not talking about anything that, you know, this is the necessity. This is the person of Christ. Are we so far removed from that that, uh, and of course, my answer would be, oh, no, I think that when we encounter Christ, as we've described it, in black experience, in leper experience, in the bottom of the pile experience, that is a kind of terrible human condition or situation. But I assume that we're really to to do something about that. Now tell me, Matt, why I'm mistaken. Actually, John's going to have to tell you better. (laughs) Well, I, I mean, I think you are right in that Hart doesn't advocate for a return, but I think that's part of the whole project and where my initial thought where we started. He says this really, I think, just to problematize the idea of tradition. So he recounts the history mostly to say, Anybody who wants to claim there's some visible, unbroken thing here is nuts. (laughs) And I think he's right. Now, I I do like what you're saying. We need to reclaim the spirit of this thing. And I think that's also right. And I I think Hart would say, yeah, the spirit is right. But just based on what I was saying when we started the conversation, that a part of what has to be accounted for is all the data, Uh, meaning that where we sit in history 
is a particular place we have to relate to the risen Christ to where we are, and that may not look like the same communitarian, nor need it look like the same communitarian society that they had. Not that those are bad either, but that even the complex economy that we live in in the United States to, to do that may, I don't want to say that it's impossible, but I just want to say oftentimes these things get short-circuited because in trying to do something good, we can end up actually causing people pain. Like examples that I'm thinking about are uh, Christians who think, for example, oh, let's go share what we have with somebody halfway around the world that has much less. But we also know that those sorts of uh, missions can do a lot of damage to those communities. And so all I'm trying to say is I think it may be, I don't think there is an easy way. In other words, I think you're right in the sense that the spirit of this needs, I don't think necessarily to be recaptured because I think actually the spirit of this always lays and lies in front of us or ahead of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, we do need to focus on that. But the issues that we have to grapple with are different. I mean, for example, uh, as we were talking, as you were just saying, the concept of race didn't exist in the first century. It exists now. Strategies to sub, uh, subvert racial inequality now uh, may require us to live in a different way than simply trying to recapture the spirit of something that was behind us. In other words, we may have to have a more complex sort of answer to some of these problems. Uh, the tendency, or uh, what I think is, I feel myself, is well, can't we just do this anyway? And it'd be sort of like be an apocalyptic community of sorts, like we're unveiling some greater truth. But what I worry is that it often is connected to a form of like self-piety, meaning I've got this right now, I need to enact this in my life, and that there's really no way of doing that in the world we live in that isn't a withdrawal. And so that in some way, our answers have to not be a withdrawal from society, but one that actually engages fully. In the first century, maybe that looked like the sort of communitarian vision that you have in Jerusalem anyway. I mean, it's not even clear that that's what's going on in other places, like in Corinth, for example. There's obviously these wealthy people who have houses, or uh, the fact that you have the letter to Philemon. Issues are already more complex in some sense, and Paul is coming up with new strategies, ones that aren't found in the early chapters of Acts to still subvert. And I think maybe that's your point is like, he's still laying claim to the spirit of this, but I'm not for sure that the spirit lays behind us, but in front of us. So uh, I know personally, Hart is a socialist uh, of some sort. And he obviously thinks that uh, capitalism, especially American capitalism is evil. He said things like, you know, this America is the worst ever. I think it's just complex in that sense. It actually brought to mind something that Rowan Williams says, or at least I'm going to attribute it to him that often we can fall into this sort of trap, whether it's with a certain ethical vision or even a certain spiritual vision of trying to leverage these things to make us the people of God. And, you know, he ultimately wants to say something like, it's not that easy. In other words, what we really do as Christians, what we're really laying claim to is the faith that we need God to show up and do this. So I don't know if that's relevant or not. I don't know, Paul, do you think that is a helpful addition to what you were saying? Or? Yeah, yeah. In other words, to, to imagine that we can extract ourselves easily from capitalism. Oh, you just haven't looked at it carefully enough if you imagine that's an easy thing. And I would just say that across the board. If you think it's an easy thing to not be violent, uh, maybe you haven't captured quite the extent to which we're saturated in that. 
So I don't mean to make this simplistic. I, I think that we do need to be faced with a kind of seeming impossibility of what we're up against. That's why we need apocalypse. That's why we need to trust in God and not in, uh, you know, not that we're going to relieve ourselves of enacting the peace of Christ in our life, but I think we need to enact that and try to do that even over and against the seeming impossibility of the situation. So I think you're right that when we see correctly, we'll see what an mm -hmm. obstacle is before us. And maybe we need a new synthesis instead of maybe, I mean, I would just say maybe instead of trying to say they did this right back then, actually what we need is a new solution. That right. That And that's, that was where we began that it may be even more difficult to check out or, or to stand over and against the powers. And unfortunately, I think that the place of the church in modern society testifies to that because they've been co-opted. The, the church has more or less been co-opted by the powers. And to recognize that reality uh, in its various forms, you know, whether it's Trumpism, evangelicalism, the sexual crisis, the corruption, we, I think we need to we need to name this thing and say, oh yeah, this is not easy, but nonetheless, this is the gospel. I think maybe even more uh, problematic is if we're talking about us, just to be born in this country, you've already been co-opted by an ideology, regardless of <laughs> what you think or believe about anything. So that at least in the Roman Empire, you could be born in it, but not of it. In other words, you could get the Roman Empire to kill you <laughs> by being a Christian. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you can't. I mean, that's the thing about American ideology is you really can't even get somebody to kill you for being a Christian. Uh, it just wants, instead, it wants to co-opt everything. Well, <laughs> American ideology is all inclusive yeah. and all yeah. deforming. I don't know. I do think that it's possible to get America to kill you for a Christian. I think you got to be an exemplar. I think you got to be uh, someone who is um, a journalist who's exposing uh, U.S. the United States for war crimes. I think you, how you may have to be someone who's willing to, uh, you know, Paul, one of my favorite quotes from Paul Axton is he said that we live in the belly of the beast and we don't even know it. You know, in other words, it's like, so what we're up against is, is not only uh, it's that people think that Christians think that something like Trumpism is good, that capitalism is, you know, unfettered capitalism is good, that uh, that violence is good. Right. So it's like there's a total uh, almost like inversion of what Christianity is. And so what I'm afraid of is that like what we what we need, and I certainly don't want this to happen, is some sort of cataclysmic. Uh, this is what Hart says, too, by the way, that. Um, that what would, in order for, you know, for new social order to come in, you know, to being, whether it's democratic socialism or just whatever else, uh, that what's truly needed would be some kind of like cataclysmic, you know, sort of event, uh, what Baju and people call, you know, so like the event in that, in that sense, be because this bourgeois sort of capitalism that, that I don't want to let go of, no, I don't want to let go of my com the comforts of my coffee and my... I don't want my kids to starve. You're right. That's right. So let's not act like, we're, you know, that's right. I don't want my, I don't want anything bad to happen to my wife, you know, or to me, frankly, you know, I, I like my PlayStation five and I like my, you know what I mean? It's okay. You know what I mean? It's like, you didn't see that coming. Think about how many works of origin you could have bought with a PlayStation. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's terrible. You know, 
I, I'm just afraid that that it is happening where for America, you know, to throw you into ADX, Colorado, the, the only federal supermax. And then, you know, you might have to do something like what Julian Assange has done. Yeah. Um, you know, you might have to do something revolutionary in that, in that regard. And so I'm just afraid that even in my own life, like it took, it took a sort of cataclysmic event for me to turn to Christ. You know what I mean? It just, it just did. I think that in my, and in my work with most people, it, it takes sort of a, I'm a hospice chaplain. So a lot of times when people get that diagnosis and they, you know, that someone says, I'm sorry, but you have cancer, you know, and it's pancreatic cancer. And it's, it's not good. Or, you know, it's like, well, that's a cataclysmic sort of thing where you have to, where everything changes and everything uh, is now seen through the lens of this new sort of uh, revelation, right? Uh, or someone, you know, gets overwhelmed by drug addiction or alcoholism or pornography addiction or, or, or whatever, or their wife leaves them or just some sort of terrible thing. That's, and I'm saying individually, a lot of times what happens to be the occasion of someone's conversion. And so I'm just worried that what do we do in a church, whether it's in the Orthodox church, whether the Catholic church, the Protestant church, where like the people, I would say the vast majority of people say, yeah, you know, Trumpism is, uh, is good. We need it. Capitalism is good. We need to get, we need to become more, you know, that American exclusion, you know, uh, exclusivism is, is good. You know, the imperialism and things like this, or uh, it's like, well, I don't know how, I don't know how we, we get beyond that. I, I just don't. You know, the, the, the first, those early church, it was in, they were in crisis. And, and by the way, they thought that the end was imminent. You know, and we've lost that. We've lost that vision of the radical. This is why I like the radical king, you know, re, go read, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, Cornell West put together a collection of the radical king, where it's not just the I have a dream sort of sanitized king, but it's the, it's the revolutionary sort of socialism and things like that of king um, that got him killed, you know, by America. So, um, I do think that that revolutionary spirit is, is like, I guess, available to us, but I just, and I think that hard, that's probably why I like him. I, I always like people who everybody else hates, you know, for some reason, but that's why I like Paul so much, you know? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> because everybody's just like, you know, Paul's, you know, uh, n- n- you know, I'm just drawn to people like that because I, his, I think the things have taught my life has taught me that those people are usually, I guess in some sense, right, uh, or or they're, they're with Christ. They stand outside of the of the city and stuff like that. And so, this is a more uncomfortable conversation, though. I will say a little bit, Matt. <laughs> maybe, think, maybe that's what it was. Go ahead. I mean, maybe not for Paul. I, I mean, I think Paul, is, you have a you have a leg up on us with this whole <laughs> conversation, is because existentially, what do you got to lose? You're <laughs> like. Yeah, the tradition's been a bunch of shit. <laughs> like, the, the church is screwed up right. over and over and over again. And yeah. damn it, that's why I'm not a Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> well, you summed that up well. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's like, so But before you go, explain why, though, we've decided to go this route that you and I have gone rather than some other, in spite of everything that you just said. For me to be an Anglican? Yeah, or me to be an Orthodox Christian. It's like, in other words, like we've chosen, in, in light of everything you just said, 
we're still committing ourselves to these institutions. So, so it's like, maybe you can give, maybe you can articulate it better than I'm sure you can. It's like, why? Why do we do this? Well, I mean, I think Anglicanism is interesting because depending on what you feel when you wake up in the morning, you can basically be where Paul's at, or you can be uh, very, you know, staunchly saying, oh, no, there's, there's something to this. But it's never an exclusive claim. And that's what helps. In other words, in Anglicanism, it's like sort of this is what we've been left. Uh, this is what we have. Uh, and so we're going to work with that. But we recognize it's just, it's a very small thing. In other words, uh, we're not trying to be universal or anything like that and are willing to share communion with anybody uh, that's been baptized. So it's so easy in, in that sense. Now, why do I think thing? I mean, Chalcedon would be, believe it or not, I think out of all the creeds or out of all, you know, it's not Nicaea or the Apostles. It's Chalcedon speaks to me the most. And I think for the straightforward reason that what was articulated there is really the best way of talking about human freedom, what it means to interact with God, who is the one God who is not like us. And yet Jesus Christ, who has united us to God, and it seems to be at the heart of theosis. In other words, to explain something like uh, God and Christ has become human, so humans can become God, you need Chalcedon to flesh that out. I will say that I'm not for sure that the specific language, it could be accidental, that's fine, whatever, I don't care that much. It's the content that's being articulated there, I think, is at the heart of Christianity. And so I do think there are these things like Chalcedon, like the Nicene Creed, that get tradition right. In other words, they're not trying to say very much. As Hart, I think, articulates well, it's sort of an opening up, it unfolds a conversation, and one that there doesn't seem to be an end to. And I think all of those things are good. And apart from being in some sort of community that claims a living tradition, I'm not for sure how else I, why I would articulate why they matter. But of course, again, it's easy because as an Anglican, or especially as an Episcopalian, it's not leaving anybody out. Uh, in other words, there's room, uh, abundant room for conversations about human sexuality, even with people who think that's anathema, uh, meaning... I think the communion's going to hang together, uh, even if it's very loosely. Maybe it's a good thing that it's so loose, but our African brothers and sisters are willing to say, whatever, you know, we think you're probably heretics, but being together is more important than that. And they continue to ordain and consecrate women priests and bishops. So it's like uh, maybe real development. I don't, you know, how you want to bring all that together. But it is sort of this open-ended conversation that it is um, open to including others. Now, that breaks down very fast, too. So let me be more critical of where I'm at. That whenever you start talking about, like, doing something uh, more than simply sharing communion, but maybe, like, what do we actually think about Presbyterian ministers or Lutheran ministers? Uh, all of a sudden, people get really worried because we can't possibly, we can share pulpits, but share altars? Like, I mean, don't you have to be ordained by a bishop, this sort of thing is also a part of uh, what Anglicanism is in, in the sense of its own self-reflective articulation much after the fact, the, the Lambeth Quadril, Chicago Lambeth Quadrilateral. So there's also tension, but I, I do think that it's a tension that for the most part, people are willing to work out without being afraid of losing something. And so I find that very beautiful. I mean, but like you, Matt, I think for most of the reasons, it was just sort of practical. I had extended family who were Episcopalians, so it made sense. It was familiar to me already. Yeah, it was where we were at. 
where we were living made sense to go to an Episcopal church. So. I just like the icons. That's really pretty much. The- <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I, what, what is someone maybe missing out on if they're, if they're um, not willing to participate in a sort of one of these traditions and in, in your opinion, what are, you know, what, what are some of the things that maybe someone may be missing out on? Yeah, I mean, again, I wouldn't say I wouldn't make the claim exclusively. So I don't think that you couldn't have these things in other places. But uh, definitely a community that self understands it to have something to say about human spirituality, forms of prayer that have been passed down practices that have been passed down. And in that sense, a sense that you have to work with a community that's larger than yourself and that you can't just say that you're doing that. But for example, I go back to the, you know, we're trying to have another Lambeth conference and it seems almost impossible and they postponed it. Uh, And that point is, it's one thing just to say, oh yes, we're open to having communion with everybody. It's another thing to actually have to do that with people all around the world and figure out how to make it work. And that's really where you see the problem. So I, I think in that sense, um, it's helpful. It's helpful to be reminded that these aren't just ideas, but require us to make real existential sacrifices and work with other people. And what about you? You have to answer for Orthodoxy now. You have to answer for all Eastern Orthodox Christians, just like I did for uh, Anglicans here. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's too big of a question. We'll have to save it for next time because I see someone yelling at you and telling you that you need to you need to go. Uh, no, for me, it was just a matter of, like you said, um, I, I was getting very unsettled in the kind of dissatisfied, I guess, with the, with uh, the Protestantism of my, you know, of my faith and um, was looking for something more liturgical. There was no, you know, the liturgy. Once I experienced it at an Episcopalian church, by the way, I was like, wow, I'm missing out on this. And that's something that goes with what you were just saying earlier. It's like, I was literally missing out on the liturgical expression, this beautiful sort of thing that I just didn't, you know, the smoke machines and the rock concerts at the, you know, at the Christian church where I was going, it's like, well, it just didn't capture it the same way for me. It's like, it might for some other people. It didn't for me. Once I was exposed to that liturgy, I thought, wow, I've been missing out on these prayers and on this formation of, and, and really on the, really just the whole trajectory of that, of the liturgical expression in the Episcopal church there was so wonderful culminating in the Eucharist and things like this. And it's just beautiful. The beauty, the beautiful is what is uh, that, that attracted me. Um, but the, the particular Episcopal church that we were going to in Indianapolis was very radical in some of their political, uh, you know, commitments. It was maybe a little bit too much for, for my wife and I. Um, we just, you know, weren't quite ready for it. But when we discovered the Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church here in town, I, I mean, for me, I immediately had a sense of, uh, wow, this is something that I could definitely do and i was really attracted to again like the liturgical calendar and the feasts and the so these are some of the things that for me that i was missing out on it's like wow i'm missing out on the remembering of the saints and the veneration of the saints you know and i'm missing out on how to learn take the from the lives of the saints and to learn from those things and apply them to my life hopefully and um the the fasting i'd never i'd never really fasted as as you know before just sort of be informed by those particular prayers and the sacraments and things like that. And it's been life-changing. So for me, it's like, it's definitely taken my, my own journey, I think, you know, to the next level or whatever you want to call it. And I'm just only like a year or two in, you know, so you can take it as, as, as far as you want to take it, you know, Um, with some of the exclusion, the exclusive stuff, you know, that bothers me. I, 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 I wish that, and I don't even really know what to do with it. Like much of the conversation that we're having today, it's like, I don't know. All I know is I'm in communion with you guys, but I, you know, I, I like that 
I understand why, you know, the, your tradition, John, is, is more open. And I guess I understand why we're a little bit more closed. And it's like, it's not that I, it's not that I like agree or disagree or whatever. It's just, it kind of is what it is. And we don't want, we don't, we say that, uh, you know, that the Eucharist isn't, um, you know, sort of a sign of, of, it's not a means to unity, right? Um, it's an expression of the actual unity, you know? So we don't want to feign unity or whatever. So we say it's not a means to unity, but it's a, you know, it, is, it actually is that it's a difficult thing, but I think that, you know, someone who's not involved in kind of like a liturgical sort of expression of the faith is, is missing out on, on that part of the 2000 years of, or, or however long, you know, that uh, those things have been being formed by great, by spiritual mind. You know, it's in other words, like, it's not like you're just a lone, you know, sort of a, a lone ranger or just whatever it is. It's like, oh, you're the latest mega church and you have all these new ideas and it's all, you know, you're, you're taking your little city by storm and everyone's going to your church and you're a sort of a personality that's driving the whole thing or whatever. But that, that this is a product of many different, you know, fathers and mothers who are much closer to Christ than I am, who have been deified or whatever, who have been, who've lived exemplary lives of holiness and stuff like that, who have passed on things that they've learned, things that, that they've been illuminated, you know, and passing those things on. So they're giving us these prayers as a gift. They're giving us these liturgical expressions as a gift, you know, that their, uh, their work and their lives of holiness and of fasting and of um, asceticism and things like that, that they're giving us things and saying, here, participate in this and, and, uh, enjoy you know the the life of christ that you can find a lot of that stuff wasn't there and the, the you know in the communions that i was a part of before that so that's a long answer to say i just kind of like the icons <laughs> but what we're missing out from paul you know paul uh you know he's in a place too where he can he, he does he's not burdened he's not saddled with some of the stuff that we are too you know but i do think that he's missed i think you're missing out paul on some really cool stuff too personal i I appreciate that i'm happy for both of you we're in a time that to sustain our faith that we've clearly taken different routes and i'm i'm completely content with that reality i do like the way that both of you i think came to my position (laughs) which is actually paul's position and that is the as if not that this is the communion where i've you know, each of you have said that. And yet you're willing to include me. And so I'm so glad that there there is at least the idea of suspending maybe what might tend to be exclusive. And I think that, that, that in a sense, that's the true spirit of the gospel. I mean, my thing is, is that like, I really think that Paul is like one of us or however you want to put, because that's what, right. That would be like how we usually do it. That's fundamentalism is to say, well, because Paul can't take the Orthodox communion, you know, right? Like he's really, he's not really one of us. He kind, maybe he's like a cousin or something like this, you know, maybe he's in the family some, in some weird way. And it's like, I would, I'm willing to say, no, I, he's my brother. He is full, you know, it's like, I don't know how to work that out in, in some ways, but I would say that Paul's more one of us than I am. So it's like, of course, Paul's, you know, um, I was just telling John yesterday, I was like, man, Paul is so humble and, 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 and patient with us. You know, we argue with our teacher and stuff and we, you know, we do all this and you let us, you know. Man, he means I argue with my teacher. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do I sometimes, you know. Um, but it's like, yeah, you, you know, you're very humble and, and patient and stuff like this. And so those are, you know, the, to me, those are the things that, to me, this whole thing is not worth doing unless I can say, oh, I want to be like 
I want to be like, I want to be like Christ. You don't want to be like these saints that we talk about. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like John, you know, because I see Christ in, in you guys. And so to me, that's, it. I don't, some of this stuff, I don't have any idea what to, what to do with, but I do know what I want to be. I do know the kind of person that I want to be, you know, and I need you guys to help me with that. So <laughs> thanks for being patient. I appreciate you it, go. guys. It's been a great talk. Let's do it again. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right, Dad. I gotta go to work. <laughs> That's um, a good thing. I've been yeah. All, right. All right. Forging Plowshares is a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom by providing in-depth, transformative biblical and theological education and discipleship. If you have found this podcast valuable, please remember to share on social media. If you have questions about what you've heard, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can get involved with Forging Plowshares or even support this ministry financially, please visit our website, forgingplowshares.org.